Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey friend, how the heck are you? I hope you're having a great day. It is such a great day because... It's Wednesday, and every Wednesday we have a new interview on the Money Nerd. So I am super, super excited to chat with today's guest, Megan Bryant, all about improv and comedy and the stuff that can really make life so interesting if we allow it. But before we dive into that, I have to share with you a really great money win that comes from Karen. Karen is very active in the in the Facebook group manager, Money Like a Boss. I used to coach her a few years ago. I've known her for quite some time now. So this has been such a fun one to see. But she is officially 100% debt-free. You guys, Karen has been working her butt off. So I was so excited to see this. It makes me so happy to see all of her hard work paying off. And you know what? Sometimes debt-free is not... It's not usually an overnight thing. It takes quite a bit of time and a lot of hustle and a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice and just focus. And she finally did it. So I am super proud of you, Karen. When I read your post in the group, I literally shed a tear. I'm just so excited for you. And I'm just really excited to see what you do with all your extra cash flow now, my friend. That's the cool part. All right. If you have not joined Manage Your Money Like a Boss group yet, go join. It's a free group. It's really supportive. You're going to get lots of different perspectives on your own financial situation, or you can just chime in and help other people and support them too on their journey. It's a ton of fun. Or if you're not really a Facebook person, come say hi to me on Instagram. I hang out there quite a bit too. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co, and you can come follow me and today's guest. So let's talk a little bit about Megan. Megan is an improv trainer. She's a speaker, performer, and a comedian. Her life mission is to create happier, healthier human and connections through humor. Megan uses the world around us as inspiration by sharing true stories that help everybody remember that we're all just trying to figure it out the best way that we know how. She began improv in 2006, stand up in 2010, and has been a speaker and performer since her teen years. That's incredible. Megan's also a commercial actor and spokeswoman and has authored dozens of articles, poems, and podcasts to magazines, websites, and more. She is such a rock star, you guys. Here's what you're going to learn from this episode. We talk a lot about how she got into comedy through improv. This is something where I am now inspired. I kind of want to do improv myself. We talk about how having a sense of humor is really related to interpersonal connection. It's super interesting to hear how it all meshes together and makes you a better human. We talk about being intentional about finding humor in everyday life. This is something I've been working on actively, especially since COVID and quarantine and the year of 2020. Like, I think this is forever going to be an epic year for us all, but there's a lot of humor in everyday life. And it's really important that we find that. We talk a little bit about body confidence. This is such an important piece. And as a comedian, how do you balance humor and self-deprecation without damaging your confidence. We talk about how she found a unique way to market herself as a comedian, breaking down barriers through improv. And this was my most favorite part of this entire segment, the power of yes and. You guys are going to love this episode. I know I definitely learned a ton about how to become a better human, how to find humor, and more importantly, how to have a more fulfilling life and have more fulfilling relationships. Guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Megan Bryant. 
Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by one of my new friends, Megan Bryant, who is a total rock star. Megan, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I am stoked. Okay, so I love your Instagram. It's hilarious. It's awesome. It's very raw and real, and I love it. But I'm curious, how did you get into comedy? Um, kind of by accident. Like in 2006, it was like no joke. I mean, I was always like a goofball growing up and center of attention, always loved making people laugh even when I was little. Um, but then in 2006, my older brother invited me to come and try improv with him and his troupe that was here in the town we lived in. And I was like, what's improv? So I kind of stumbled into it and then added stand up a few years later into the mix and really became, it became a lifestyle, the whole world of comedy and connection and, and well, all while I worked at a corporate day job. So, whoa, was what was your corporate day job at the time? I, I was a, a branch manager at a bank at the time. I worked in banking for like 10 years. And that's like the exact opposite. <laughs> no, I was like, ah, you know, it was a, it was a good job and I did okay at it. But I think the reason I excelled really in any job is because I love people and I love to mm. find out like what makes them tick and how do I make them feel good and you know, happy employees work really hard. So my branches always did really well because my employees felt super valued and we laughed a lot. And so so I got a free trip to Hawaii from just being a fun manager, not necessarily because I liked banking, but (laughs) I think that's awesome though. I I love that that. too. No, no (laughs) doubt. Tell me about your first improv class. The the one when you first walked in there, were you scared to death or like what? Yeah. I was so nervous because I really had no idea what to expect. And so I actually, the very first time I went was at someone's house. It was a husband and wife duo where they just had a troupe that would rehearse in their living room. And so they pushed all the furniture to the side of their house. It was a Saturday morning. It was sunny. I remember it very vividly. I walked into the house and everyone's shoes were piled on the floor at the little entryway. And there was like a dozen to 15 adults of various age ranges, men and women, all different personality types. And they were all just playing in someone's living room. And I was just like, whoa, what, what is <laughs> what going did I on? Walk into? It, was, it was so fast paced and everyone was laughing and there was so much silliness and puns and it was crazy. And I never looked back. I was like, yep. This is where I'm supposed to be. I love that. Do you, do you think, does everybody have the potential to be funny or have like a sense of humor? Or there's some people that don't have that ability. What are your thoughts on that? This is a common question I get. I think everyone has the ability to have a sense of humor. I think all of our senses of humor are derived from our own experiences and what we've gone through and what we see as funny. Um, I don't think necessarily everybody needs to be funny. The, the trick is you have to be true to what you really think is funny in order to have the connection. The reason why comedy is so important to me is that it has a very strong connective power that we can find those commonalities, those um, things that we can relate to. And it's like when you're watching a comedy show and someone says something funny that you, you've experienced that and you're nudging your friend, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that one time. It's because of those connections. And so a lot of times people will come to my improv classes and they'll be like, can you teach me to be funny? And I'm like, no. However, I can teach you how to be really be your truest self and to unblock yourself in such a way that kind of allows you to communicate in a, in a truer sense and allowing the connection because that's really mm-hmm. where funny comes from. I mean, some people will argue it comes from shock value and making fun of other people. I don't like when comedy is at the expense of other people or situations. 
um, because it's, it's, that's not necessarily coming as much from connection as it is from, um, just the shock of it. And then the uncomfortable feeling we get that is like nervous laughter. So it's sort of a, a broad subject, but at the end is that we all need the humor. We just need to understand what is, what is the type of thing that makes us laugh and how can we connect and relate to people and what is the energy behind it? Cause it can be very polarizing too. Some people intentionally use comedy to cause a rift or, you know, anyone yeah. who jokes in the range of politics or terrible memes about world pandemics, you know, anything that could be going on in life. So true they, though. The humor is, the humor is important. I think it's just really interesting to watch the different ways that people deliver it. I, I think that's so impactful too, just to understand that. And I, I love that you don't take an approach of like making fun of other people or putting down others. I have to ask, cause I see a lot of people that have a lot of self-deprecating humor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how, where's the fine line on that? Like at what point are you like being funny versus like, you're actually putting yourself down and making yourself feel like crap every day? <laughs> That's a really good question too. Cause I struggle with that because I try to be really positive, especially in the world of stand up. Self-deprecation is really important because it also kind of levels the playing field. So yep. like if you walk out on stage and you act like you know everything better than everyone else, no one wants to listen to you. <laughs> Get so, off the stage. Yeah, the self-deprecation really allows the human element. And when you're doing it right, it's still bringing people into the experience with you in not really a hurtful way. It's But that is definitely a hard thing. Like some people, I guess... The difference is when you're doing it in a way that you are still putting a little bit of a spin that you are, uh, you are navigating through it in a healthy way instead of when people do, I guess it's maybe in the same category, like some people are so negative and woe is me. And I think sometimes that can get clumped into the same category. Um, but like for me, I used to struggle as a, as a female comedian when I first started I had um, someone tell me that I was too pretty to be funny and he was mean. He was mean. And some like sometimes, so I noticed early on, like I tried to overcompensate with my confidence in how I delivered stuff to be like super over the top and to look like really good during my shows. And then I was like, I would notice other people, especially unfortunately other ladies who would kind of sit cross-armed in the, in the chair and like, be like, you better be funny. Like it was kind of a weird, oh, that sucks. and which it's, it's all good for the lessons that I learned because I was like, wait a second. Like, I'm just like everyone else with all the internal battles and all these things going on. And for a while I actually didn't wear makeup when I was doing comedy, I would wear like more casual clothes. And I'm like, wait a second, this isn't really me. And then I really learned that what I needed to do is still formulate my jokes in a way that bring, bring everyone on the team, especially the ladies so that they would feel really comfortable and everybody could laugh. It's like a weird thing, but you know how, how it is. We, whether we mean to or not, we're kind of sizing each other up. We're kind of feeling we're all self-deprecating all the time naturally. And so kind of doing some jokes, like especially where I've had, I've given birth to five babies. And so I have a couple jokes about stretch marks and about my deflated chest from nursing kids and like a few things that right out of the gate, I can bring women and humans on board in general, because it's stuff that so many people can relate to where I'm also making fun of my own body, you know, but I think, I think you're hitting on a key point there too. So it's almost like you, you're stating the facts, but you're not making that mean something about you. So like I had five kids, I have stretch marks, like it is what it is. 
Right. And that's the point of like relatability. Is that kind of the way yes, you structure? Absolutely. It's in the way of being like universal and being, and having it like allowing people to come into the experience with me. And, um, instead of accident, like I used to say things that I, I can't even remember the examples. I have to go watch my horrible t- tapes from way back then, which is terrifying to watch. <laughs> I do fun. just remember trying to feel like I want, I didn't want people to think I felt flawed because I thought they wanted to see the confidence when in fact, as we all know, we all want the vulnerability and the humanity. And it just took me a long time to learn, uh, you know, I've been doing it over a decade now and I'm like, Oh, you know, I just Got started it. to really figure it out several years ago, exactly how to have my voice correctly. I think that's so cool. So I, I want to dive into how do we find humor in everyday life? Cause I've always respected every time I watch comedians, sometimes it's like the mundane that I look at. I'm like, God, that is so funny. Like that's hilarious. How do we key into that to find humor in our everyday life? I think you just have to be intentional about it. Like, especially when something challenging happens. Um, Let me give a little preface. The world of improv is based on yes and, which is yes is an acknowledgement or an acceptance of whatever is happening and requires you do something with it, right? So, and not to be confused with a lot of people think that when I talk about yes, that it means you have to agree with Hmm. people or things. And most of the time we don't agree. So when you use a conscious mindset of deciding you're going to look for the positive things or to, to get that relief, because we all feel better. Everyone who has ever laughed ever knows that it feels good there. We need it. And so it has to be intentional. Just knowing what is true, like what makes us laugh, what is good for us. Like some people love and thrive off of silly memes. Some people like to watch certain types of movies. Some people need to interact with other people. The, the, the thing is, is that sometimes it even just has to be, it just has to be forced. Like sometimes when I'm in my worst moods and I'm like, man, I teach people about humor and comedy and I'm mad. Like, I feel like I sometimes have anger issues I need to work through. I know I do. I've talked about them with my therapist. (laughs) Like the thing is, is just sometimes channeling whatever the fear or maybe the anger or the nervous energy around stuff in a way that just helps us to process it. And it's, it, it kind of goes back to when people say, can you make me be funny? I can't always make people be funny. And certainly certain situations will never be funny. The way that we can look at them in a little bit lighter manner, though, helps them to be processed in, I think, a more healthy way. Does that mm, make sense? Makes total like, sense. It's not, it's, it's kind of challenging, but you, you got to take it upon yourself to like, Find people that make you laugh or listen to podcasts that make you feel inspired or read a book or whatever, listen to comedy on Netflix or whatever you need to do to find what is a, a, a good, reliable source for you. Because I do fully believe that you need to have some sort of smiling or laughing in your everyday life in order to even cope with how heavy life can get. Yeah, I, I love this. I think it's it's good advice. And I like the focus on hyper-awareness. I think that's definitely the key too, to keen into like what's hilarious. Like I saw something on the internet the other day and I was dying. It was this girl posted her daily walk. She's quarantined and she just was like needed to get out of the house. So she goes for this walk and she's looking and she sees a white rabbit 
and she's like, oh my God, there's a white rabbit. Like, oh, that's so cool. So she's trying to like sneak up there to take a picture of this white rabbit. She gets closer and realizes it's a trash bag. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just dying. I'm like, that is so good. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that I think we all experience, but some of us are maybe too shy to share. I think that's what most of it is. And I still even feel the same way. In fact, like I'm, I don't really always even feel like I'm that funny when I'm in front of an audience on a stage and I'm really like moving around and doing crazy voices and pulling funny faces. Like I can see the audience reaction. I'm like, okay, they're laughing. This must be working. But a lot of times, like I, a lot of comedians really truly have a a pretty sensitive or sometimes a pretty dark, very real realist side. Is that the right word? And so like to find a balance of even what we share, like there's a lot of things where I'm like, can I share that? Is that too insensitive? Like I almost self edit too much because we over, we tend to overthink things or at least I do. I hope I'm not the only one, but no, you're definitely not. totally get the most relief from or sometimes just those really simple, like the things you just like her finding a piece of trash that she thought was a rabbit. Like those are things that are just little moments that are funny and light and like we can all take a moment to not in those moments we're not thinking about other bad things that are going on in life like even if it's for just those split seconds um and so I say the more unfiltered the better especially in social media world where god I know anything can and really does go so yeah no it's true and I think it's it's having that ability to laugh at yourself, but again, not condescend, but just say like, God, that's hilarious. Like I thought a trash bag was a rabbit. Like that's pretty fun. Yeah. I will say when you talk about laughing at yourself, I tried something new recently. Do you want to hear about it? It's, yeah, I do. Um, I, I have had self-confidence issues with my body because I've had five babies. And so even though I'm a slim gym, I'm not super like ripped and I actually have really crappy balance. And anyway, I feel very clumsy in my own body. And so a few months ago I signed up to take pole dancing classes. Oh, sweet. Because I was like, I want to, I want to just see what this is like. And I was terrified, but I also (laughs) was thinking, okay, I've heard this is hard. Maybe I'll go and see what this is all about. So not only did I walk in there and it was like, it was an amazing experience because there was a whole bunch, there's all different body types, all different skill levels. The, and one of the first things that came out of the um, instructor's mouth was, she's like, get ready to laugh at yourselves here because like all of us, of course, are thinking we have to be sensual Super and, sexy. Yeah, yeah. and like, know how to move our hands and our hips. And but for many of us, the first night I went, it was a bunch of our first night ever and it's hard and it's awkward and it makes funny slipping, squeaking sounds on the pole and you get bruises in bizarre ways. And and there was a lot of laughing to be had. And, and so I was just thinking, wow, it ended up being, I, I have done several, it's closed down right now, but I've done several sessions to see that how much it really shifts the mindset of doing something mm-hmm. like, and, and kind of flipping the script on something that we think we understand or we know about because we've seen it in a certain setting or whatever, when really like something like pole dancing is actually a really fun highly motivating, like the people that we're all rallying together. We're all cheering each other on when we can climb and hit the top and well, that is um, impressive. And learn how to do these really interesting skills to then feel more confident with our own strength. And, and for me, it was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I laughed a lot, but I also like walked a little taller when I got out of the, the sessions because I'm like, dang, I am stronger than I thought. And like trying so something cool. new is always cool. And 
And so it kind of wiped away a little bit of the natural self-deprecation that comes around something that was a really big hang up for me, which was confidence in my own body. I, I love this. I, I, I tried a pole dancing class as well for oh, my, yeah. my uh, sister-in-law's bachelorette party. Nice. We did that. And I'm not kidding you. You're right. Like you have to laugh at yourself because you, the big mirrors are like, oh God, here I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, you see it all. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know why so much is like, like the jiggling and the, the ripple know, right? effect and, and just the swirl, the speed of the swirling was too fast. I don't know. <laughs> and then, yeah. When I got the spin down, I'm like, oh, I'm such a rock star. Like, <laughs> I was so proud. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny though. Yeah. Ridiculous. I remember I came home and I, my uh, fiance, I was like, dude, look what I learned. And I showed like the spin. He's like, well, it's pretty good. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Side hustles. <laughs> like, you know, I got options. Yeah. Like I'm yeah, working exactly. on it. <laughs> I, I love the idea of putting yourself out there and trying new experiences too. How mm-hmm. important do you think being uncomfortable is when it comes to comedy? Very. Well, it's if you're performing it. I think yeah. people, if you're watching it, you get to, you have a much easier opportunity to choose your level of discomfort. Although you can see real easily who gets uncomfortable or offended by stuff, obviously <laughs> comments, but in this, in that space, the discomfort of the unknown, um, is really what drives me for sure. And I would bet a lot of other comedians to see like, what can I get away with? How will this work? Like half the fun is telling a joke a certain way and seeing how it hits and then try, and then if it might not like sometimes I have the, several of the same jokes, you know, that you say them the same, same joke, different audiences mm-hmm. and the same jokes will go, they'll kill in one crowd and they'll be dead silent in another crowd. And so there's always just, um, you have to ride that all those feelings of the uncertainty and the fear and the, um, those nerves to really have it even matter. I mean, I feel like it does. Why would I do it if I did not have some sort of a kind of a challenge within to sort of overcome and mm. really quantify the value of comedy? How many shows would you say you've done stand up comedy wise to date? Ooh, stand up, not as much as improv. I probably, ugh, I don't know, maybe not even probably a couple hundred is all. I do mostly corporate stuff. So there's lots of gaps between. Oh, okay. I've done way more improv because I used to run an improv troupe and I just do a lot more improv. And when I perform, I guess I should answer this. I don't know. Hundreds easily. That's awesome. But I don't tour as a club comic. So I'm not working every weekend um, like some do. And when I perform, a lot of times there's a mix. So my comedy shows are, you, and even when I do keynote speeches, they're a blend. So I will tell some sort of, hopefully impactful message about using <laughs> yeah, no the applications of improv skills. Uh, but then I'm a goofball too. And so there's, I'll usually wedge in some of my stand-up bits, even just as part of a keynote. My, my little career has kind of become its own life force because of the nature of how my lifestyle is. So I think it's that cool. was a little tangenty in that, but. No, I like it. I, I like too that you were able to find a different take on comedy and a different way of making money from comedy. Cause I think so many people think if you're going to go into comedy, you have to be, you know, the next Dave Chappelle or whatever it is. And, and you found a different way to market that. When did you discover that that could be a business for you? 
um, a while ago. I realized when I was 29, so this is 10 years ago, that I was like, oh, I need to be on stages, somehow bringing laughter in my style. And I, I knew I could probably figure out how to at least have it as a little side hustle. Like, because mm-hmm. I started getting paid for gigs already by then because I'd been doing improv, but to really have it be full on was kind of a long process. And, and you, your whole thing is about money stuff, right? Yeah. So this is a, an interesting timing on, on being a guest on here is because it is really hard, especially, so I live in Boise, Idaho, which is not really a thriving metropolis of comedy. We have one comedy club. And then anytime yeah. I've ever booked my own shows, it's at just different venues that allow me to book it. And then I have to sell the tickets. And I actually used to run a mm. comedy festival for four years, multi-day festival, multi-venues, dozens of comics from all over the country, but I facilitated it. And so I hardly took stage time and I had to figure out how to make it pay for itself and sponsors. And I never took a paycheck. So I've learned a lot of painful lessons in being able to make money and be effective. And really it's gotten to the point where, yeah, I do a lot of corporate gigs. So I might do a keynote speech or an improv training where it's an interactive training class with a team building event um, or do a comedy show for a company awards gala or whatever. And then also in order to keep checks coming in, I also do commercial work. So I a spokesperson for a couple of different companies and, I'll do radio ads or script writing for people. And I wrote a book a few years ago. Like you just have to find different ways, start a podcast, like to have it just be one thing, um, is really hard. And being a mom of so many little kids, a single mom of so many little kids now, the, the goal is just to keep the focus on making people laugh and doing it in whichever vessel can get me there and recognizing that like corporate pays better than, like one corporate gig, one hour pays more than a full weekend of a club. So just looking at the ways that, um, I needed to go in order to keep doing it. Kids and yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have five kids. How old are your kids now? So I have five kids. The first one, actually I had, uh, 20 years, uh, 20 years ago out of wedlock and she was placed for adoption. That's what I wrote my book about. So, uh, but I have since reunited. So she's 20. And then the ones I'm currently raising are 12, seven, five, and three. That's amazing. What's your book called? I need to read this. Yeah. It's called Not My Plan, Sucking It In Till I Had to Push It Out. And uh, it was about when I got I got knocked up in high school and I was a active Mormon kid at the time and was worried about oh, yeah. my life getting taken control of uh, outside of me. And so I hid the pregnancy all the way up until delivery. And I Holy crap. adoption myself. It was a, I don't recommend that. It was a challenge. My friend, where did you grow up? In Boise. Oh, you were in Boise. Okay, so I grew up in Burley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I I mean, relatable. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so I, but luckily it was 1999, and so I could hide my growing belly under my TCBY work uniform that was nice and baggy. (laughs) (laughs) The TCBY, yeah, I mean, that's impressive, because I'm not going to lie, I eat too much bread one night, and I'm like, there's no hiding anything. I don't know how, like, none of my other pregnancies, and yeah, my general life, I'm like, yeah, I pooch out real quick with anything in the breadly category. (laughs) Exactly, carbohydrates, I'm like, dang, we were actually, uh, so over the quarantine, my fiance and I were laughing, I was telling him the other day, I looked in the mirror, I'm like, dude, I'm looking kind of slim right now, and he's like, oh yeah, what are you doing? I'm like, I literally ate only high chews yesterday. Like, <laughs> I'm like, maybe that was the secret. Yes. 
Oh, I love high chews. And that's a, yeah, that's not an unreasonable diet for at least one day of course. You know, it was great. It really <laughs> made me look slim in the morning. So if you're looking oh. for a good diet secret. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about improv. This is something yeah. I've wanted to try for quite some time. And mm-hmm. I have been a really scared of it because I'm afraid of looking like an idiot. I'm being real. And the second thing is, is I, I never really quite understand where to go with it. Like I've done some in high school with like drama club and it's like, Oh, okay. Now what, you know, and then you like something out. So tell me a little bit about like, how do you structure improv? And mm-hmm. why, why do you feel like maybe people should be interested in improv? Well, people should be interested in the skills that are laid before them in improv because we are improvising every day. Every single human being is already functioning in an improvised state, whether they're aware of it or not. Mm. Everything in my little world revol- revolves around like heightening your self-awareness and your intention of how you move about your life. Because like, despite our best planning, the days will never go exactly from sunup to sundown how we ever predict, right? So that's like the base level of where I like to bring people in is that people should want to learn how to just be more empowered by skills that we already have built inside us. And truly, I mean, obviously improv works as a comedic art form because we are playing by rules. But when those rules are transitioned into everyday life, it actually makes things a lot more fluid, like to not Mm. have to plan and prepare so much about what comes next, to be open to um, alternative outcomes. It's a great thing, obviously, when with team dynamics, but I've done couples workshops. I've done stuff for youth groups and church groups and all types of groups. And it's, and it's not exactly what people think. Like I don't personally teach improv a whole lot for the purpose of getting people on stage per Mm se, but I, the, um, it's like a reverse engineering of how to make that work into everyday life. So with yes, and it's accepting and acknowledging things that are going on in our lives around us in using that and to keep us moving towards some other step. Like, do we have a problem we need to solve? Do we get to be creative? Are we branding something for a social media post, whatever it is. Um, and, and then there's other principles about like being present in the moment and, Um, building on whatever the last thing people are said, like what people don't realize is that even as the comedians, when we're performing, our first goal is to build and establish a relationship in front of the audience, whatever the scene is happening. Mm -hmm. If there's not a relationship happening, nobody really can get invested or give a crap about what's going on. Um, We are there to make each other look good. If our goal is to focus on what can we say next to give that person a gift, of some new information that they get to play on and you know that person's doing the same for you, we all win together mm-hmm. and it becomes a very collaborative experience. And so when I very first started, I told you I worked in a bank and I was thinking, oh, this is just going to be a fun creative outlet. And no, no, no. Within a few weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, this is changing everything. It was changing the way I was listening to my teammates, really to anybody. It was um, really shifting um, just the way I was looking at every interaction because what happens in a scene can happen in everyday life. It's happening right now while we're interviewing on a podcast. Like we don't have this scripted. Mm -hmm. We just kind of have a general idea. We know what our different skill sets are that we could probably talk about and we're trusting the process. And so taking away the focus on having to be funny and just trusting that deep in your own subconscious are all of the tools you already need and they're perfect for you. 
the way you show up is different than how I show up. And it's different how your fiance shows up and how you're whoever, every person in your life, we all have these different perspectives that our lives have um, been shaped to see things through. And so the biggest thing that I start with, I know this is a little tangenty at the moment, but, mm-hmm. but one of the rules I start with is to suspend judgment. And I came up with that rule because it's based off of making bold choices, saying or doing things that might seem a little bit out of your normal comfort zone. Um, but to suspend judgment does two things. First of all, it's very realistic that as humans, we're still going to be critical and judgmental and self filter or look at someone else and be like, Oh my gosh, I would never do that. What a moron. Um, but to suspend it is to actually recognize when we're being critical or when Mm. we're having any type of a judgmental thought at all, whether we are self filtering or getting critical on ourselves or doing it outwardly. And if we notice when we're doing it, then we can pause with that judgment and decide what to do with it. Like, is it something we have to take responsibility for? Is it something we can collaborate with and build on? Um, How much does it really matter? Like, where do we need to put our energy? And in the space of improv, when you're doing exercises together, um, especially like a fun little word play game, for example, where you're just spouting off whatever the first thing comes to mind or whatever. Um, sometimes a word will blurt out of someone's mouth and you can see on their face that they're already judging because they're like, why did that come out of my mouth? <laughs> yeah. Or the peer group starts laughing or whatever. But that's when you get people to the that purest little sense of who they are is knowing that it's a safe place to try something that is actually very true to you. Hmm. Too often we filter and decide how we want to present ourselves to the world. And that's when it becomes really contrived. But the more we can just be like, yeah, okay, whatever just came out of my mouth, it came from something, somewhere those connectors are happening in our brains, whether we have a, a, a description or not of how. Um, so I, I just could not encourage improv at least one, I mean, anybody should take at least one workshop or a several week class or something just to feel a little bit more empowered that the way they are is totally cool. And to also like the way we want to be valid, validated and appreciated as much as we want that we owe it uh, to other people to offer that respect of who people are, that they're different and that's okay too. And then circling it back around to the yes. And is yes. It's also a great way to see what we want to have in our lives. Who do we want to interact with? What types of experiences do we want? And to sometimes we can yes. And people by saying, yep, that person is, has a very dark sense of humor and I'm not comfortable around them. And I'm going to let him live his life and I'm going to be over here. Yeah. Like get to just accept people and things for who and what they are and not take so much ownership and just like kind of live a little bit more of a tethered free life mm-hmm. with the consciousness that's around it. I love that. I, I think that I didn't realize so many skills could be learned from improv. Like immediately my head was going to, okay, you learn how to think on your feet. You learn how to communicate with another party. Um, but there's so much more to it. Totally. Listening and skills, judgment, absolutely. all of that. You will do all of those things better. You will think quicker on your feet. You will have more confidence in communicating with people you care about and with perfect strangers and taking mm, really be like, I look at every little interaction, like it's a mini scene. So even if I'm at the checkout at target, that one minute that I get with that other human being is that's all I get with that human being. I may never see them again. And I know that most people probably don't think that deep, but for me, it's like a really cool way to just exist and have those really heightened skills. So absolutely. I feel way more confident thinking on my feet and not being so critical on myself. If I do say, or do something that seems a little bit 
kooky or whatever. Like that's who mm-hmm. I am. It's, and I don't have to explain myself to anyone. Like, right. It's just who I am. So deal with it. And being that way makes me feel like just such a love and appreciation for everyone else. And so it totally offers all those things that you would expect, but in a way that is so much deeper. I I love it. I think this is so cool. And it definitely inspires me to step into improv and give it a few shots. I just think it sounds fun. So if somebody wants to practice this in their daily life, like maybe it's like five, 10 minutes every, every day, maybe you need 30. I don't, I don't really know. But how do we start practicing like with kids, with our spouses, with our friends? Like how do we start practicing improv at home? There's so many good things. So funny you asked that. I am so close to having my second book published, which is a manual on how to do improv in your everyday life. Congratulations. Thanks. It's been a long time coming, but uh, timing is everything on stuff. There's probably, I'm sure you could actually Google stuff, but my goal in life is to just share little exercises. A lot of my games are, they're quick and I, I know them well enough that I can pepper them into family dinner. Like I'll play one game. Here's one example for a family thing that you can do to try to keep my four kids at the table with me at dinner instead of them running off. A lot of times we play a game where we just try to say as many words as we can think of that start with the letter blank. And I let one of them pick a letter. So maybe it's T and then every kid says as many words as we can think of that start with a letter T and then once they start expiring, I can usually think of something else. And then I'll describe something so that starts with the letter T so that they can keep guessing. And just watching the energy of them wanting to stay there. Um, that's one, a skill that I learned from a game called Three Things that I learned in improv years ago. It was probably the first year of improv back, back in 2006. And there's all these different variations. So <clears throat> that one could have a different application with dating which I've been doing as a single mom and never really dated as a teenager because I got married right after I had a baby out of wedlock to the first guy who was willing. Uh, anyway, so I, there's other, other things even from that. So from that example, like sometimes when I'm on dates with people, I will ask them to just tell me, what are three things you like that start with the letter R? Mm. And then they're like, oh, they're either like, check please. And I'm like, okay, this guy's not for me. Or <laughs> they'll, they'll answer and then they'll say things that like uh, rhubarb, rainbows, and uh, ribeye. I don't know, whatever the, the thing. <laughs> rhubarb, rainbows, and ribeye. I love it. Yeah, it's like, I don't, if you get to different information than you would otherwise. And like just framing things up conversationally, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to Google, but certainly people are more than welcome to follow along uh, on my, my stuff, my social media platforms. I talk about improv a lot just with really basic applications and stuff, but Googling, you could Google improv games and there's a ton of them. Great for warm up at staff meetings. They're great for picking up your middle schooler and asking something different besides how was your day and getting those closed ended yes or no questions. Yeah, it was fine. (laughs) Yeah. Good. It's fun to open it up and, and be silly. There's so many, so many games. I think it's cool. I love the idea of actually even using comedy and improv as a tool to having deeper, more meaningful conversations. I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah, I can imagine if you do have the middle school kid that's not super happy with school and there's something going on and they don't want to open up to you, what better way than to get them laughing and get them feeling comfortable than to have that communication line. And to thinking about what they're experiencing at school. Because like if I ask my kid, my 12 year old, I'm sure he is over it by now. And I don't always do this to him, but sometimes (laughs) I'll be like, okay, so what's something you noticed today that made you feel embarrassed? 
or what was something, what did you see today that someone was doing that was red? I don't know, you know, like totally just framing up something super random. And then they actually have to pause and think for a minute and it's fun. It spurs conversation. And honestly, my kids so far are really comfortable asking me questions. Like after he had the the classes, they separated the boys and girls for the puberty classes. Oh, right. <laughs> he's already so comfortable. Like he's asked me about drugs. He asked me, what did the girls learn about when they, we were separated? He's asked me about all sorts of things. And I feel a lot of it comes from just the nature of having very normal, but open conversations all the time. Like it's not ever, let's sit down and have this awkward conversation. It's like, no, I told him about periods while I was cooking dinner one night and it was like a five minute conversation. And he's like, Oh, okay. It was like, goes about his business. <laughs> it becomes part of life. And I hope that that discontinues that it cre- Oh, this is a, a tug, a major t- nugget from improv is to, Oh my gosh, I just brain farted when I was, <laughs> oh, no, no, becoming a, it becomes a safe place mm. in, in an improv class. It's a safe place to try those seemingly silly things. But being aware of all those skills, I think, helped me to be a safe place for people. And, and again, like anything at the root of humor, like I know this all sounds really serious, but the beauty of humor and comedy really comes from that ability to safely dialogue through things. And so, yeah, that's a big thing that I've learned from improv is to be the safe place and to create a safe place for that connection. Do you think we can all learn that? Like, did you learn that more from facilitating improv or participating? Both. I learned it pretty quickly. And I'm sure different people function. Well, I know this. Different people take it on at different levels and in different um, willingness. Mm -hmm. Some people are really very stubborn. And a lot of times it almost feels like group therapy sessions when I'm doing this with adults because there's a lot of people who are holding on. I can just sense it now. I mean, I've done so many mm. workshops that um, you people have to, ha- it has to be their idea. So that that's the other nice thing about when someone does come to a workshop, especially when they don't know they're coming to one, because usually team teams don't know they're coming to one. The company doesn't tell them. Otherwise they call in sick that day, I'm sure. <laughs> no <But> doubt. <laughs> they, they start to see the mechanics of it. And I have had multiple times where people go, that we talk about the yes and the opposite is yeah, but, and that's like the really negative side of that's where sarcasm lives. It's not that that's a terrible thing, but it is something that when you're aware of it, you can see how quickly you can accidentally like shut someone down with negative vibes. Right. And so when people get to be in a space where it's good, we're all good being who we are. And then we do these exercises where they get to be the one that goes, Oh my gosh, I'm the yeah, butter or like their own little moment of aha they get to be empowered to decide to do something with it. And so not everyone will. The most, For the most part, people who are stepping into that space are trying to learn a new skill and do something better. And even if they live with a yeah butter, they still have the opportunity to go home and be on the positive side of that connection to be a, like a better influence. And But you can't make someone do it. Sometimes I can gently nudge someone to demonstrate how what they did was um, not collaborative and there will be resistance for some people because they have to be ready and willing and know that um, they have to be the ones that make the choice no matter what. I like the difference between yes and and yeah but even like yeah like from an improv perspective but even from just a life perspective like what a killer skill to have. 
It's huge. That's the number one thing that I get the most feedback from. Even if I do a keynote speech, I will always try to include a activity where we, we verbally do an exercise in pairs with yes. And, and yeah, but because in just little 45 second activities, you can feel how the energy shifts. In fact, this could be an exercise if you want to, as we're, I know we're on the home stretch here that you, I could tell people how they could do this with their kids. Yes, or their spouse let's or do it. So to do the activity, yes. And yeah, but you each pick something in your mind, think about it and don't say it out loud of something that you love. Like it's a person, a place, a thing. Maybe it's a dessert that is your favorite, but whatever it is, is something that when you think about it, you love it so much. You're like, Oh my gosh, I can't get enough of that. I love it. Then when you have it in your mind, something you need to set a timer for 45 seconds. And then one person decide who's going to go first. One person starts a conversation when you start the timer by saying, I love blank and saying what the thing is they love. The first round you actually do the yeah, but round. So each response for 45 seconds is met with yeah, but respond, like say what you would respond to, to whatever they just said they love. And then it goes back to the, I love person who now says, yeah, but response. So you start with the, I love and back and forth is yeah, but response. Yeah, but response. Then once the timer goes off, you restart the timer. The opposite person starts with their, I love statement. And then each alternating response is yes. And response. Mm. And then you can unpack it and talk about what was the difference of the feeling between the two of them? I don't have to unpack what they are. Everybody almost consistently has the same types of uh, unpacking on it, but talk about what was different between the two rounds. How did it make you feel? What was the body language that happened? Um, and like what it, it just so quickly demonstrates how two little words can totally change how someone might show up at work. Someone might not ever give an idea in a staff meeting again, if they've been yeah butted right out of the gate. Um, it's really, it's kind of crazy to think of how much a little shift can actually make a huge difference. It makes a huge difference, like brainstorming. And I mean, startup businesses, I'm just thinking of like all the applications for that. I think it's, it's so powerful. If you find that maybe you are a yow butter, (laughs) what do you do? Is it just a simple shift in language or how do you? I don't know if it's simple. You should actually start changing the verbiage. If you hear yourself say, yeah, but, because I still sometimes say, but only if I'm reversing a negative to a positive though. Mm. But if you hear yourself say, yeah, but, and you're at least aware of it, then you can shift it. And in almost any case, I cannot think of one, So, I, but I'm sure something must exist, but nothing I've experienced yet. You can verbally change the word yes, and then still add your information. When I was a branch manager and I had angry customers and stuff and like overdraft fees and like, wow, I'd have to deal with it. I could still get to a, a no on certain things with a yes and because that yes mm. will validate whatever someone is talking about, whether or not you agree with it. And it diffuses the tension that might be there if you are validating them with, yes, I hear you. And here's more information on my perspective. So if people are yes-anding, especially when they do not agree, it's such a powerful thing. And you can literally, like I encourage people when I talk to people, um, anytime I present about it, is even if you're typing, if you type the word but, either end your sentence and don't put the but, just start a new sentence or switch it to and because it almost always works and it is a, still a, a collaborative energy instead of wiping away everything that was just said. Because if you walk in 
a, a butt diffuses anything positive. I walk in and I see someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, you look great today. That color looks so good on you. And man, your numbers have been so awesome this month. I really appreciate your hard work. But yeah, it's like, thanks. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So the more people can be aware of it, you can verbally start to retrain yourself by saying yes. And instead. This is so powerful. I have learned so many good little nuggets from you that I'm not kidding. I think this is so interesting and so fun. I loved your perspective of the mini scenes of viewing each segment as like, you know, here's a little scene of my life. I think that's really cool. And that definitely keys into your background and what you do for a living too. I think that's very interesting. The piece that I will definitely take forward is the yes and. I I think that's huge. And I, I think it's so important for us to just be aware of, are we yes anders or yeah butters? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous to say that out loud, but really, if you're a yeah butter, we yeah. can change it. Yep. I love it. This is such a good conversation. I, I adore everything that you're doing. I appreciate your work. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Oh boy, sure. I better be, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, 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 this yeah, is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt, right? I'm like, this is this is perfect for you. <laughs> like, can you edit for swearing if something slips out of my mouth? I you don't. can swear. We're we're adults okay. here. We're fine with okay. that. <laughs> so, first question for you: What is your current morning routine? Get out of bed reluctantly, but hopeful, <laughs> and go to, straight to the coffee. Respect. Yeah, even before I change my youngest diaper, like on the, it's straight to the coffee and then yep. I deal with the kids. <laughs> I, I love that. And I would be the same way <laughs> if I had kids. Okay. <laughs> next question for you. Where is one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, really anywhere beachy. Dominican Republic has a treehouse village that is at the very tip top of my list of places I want to go. No kidding. I haven't even seen yeah. that. Yeah, it's so cool. You should Google it. Yeah, I'm going to now. Okay. <laughs> My next question for you, what's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Um, that's actually about to happen today. Is that weird? I, kind of. I, what are you doing? I, I'm recovering from a, a, a challenging financial situation I've put myself in by swapping uh, my vehicle today that's going to save me half of a car payment. Oh my God, congrats. So I can hopefully stay in my house, which is also being listed for sale right now out from under me. So, Oh, that's such a huge step though. <laughs> it's crazy. Good I don't for like, you. Thanks. You know what? Yeah, I love that you asked that because the, the first thing I thought of was the purchase is my Jeep Wrangler was the amount, even though it was too expensive, it's like an appendage of me. And that's what's getting traded in today to be um, a more fiscally responsible mother. <laughs> and I'm so proud I'll get another Jeep someday when I have a million dollars or whatever. But for sure, there's always going to be Jeeps. That That's such a huge step. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for doing that because that <laughs> that takes a dose of like humbleness. And uh, oh, I'm so proud of you though. That's thanks. huge. I was up all night feeling anxiety over it, but. Oh no, God, it'll be so, so worth it. It it will be relieving. (laughs) Good for you. I'm so proud of you. Okay. So in your opinion, you've been in banking, you've seen, you've been around the block, you, you own a business, like you, you know, this stuff too. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Um, self-awareness. Is that my recurring theme? And, and, and diligence to the cause. 
because honestly, I've had to learn to recategorize what I think financial success is. Um, and it's so far, it's been that I've been able to sustain the life that I love to live. And there's been some challenges that have arisen and I'm that much quicker to be so aware of how to pivot and, and make corrective measures. And so it's not necessarily about the volume of money. It's the strategy of using it as a tool. And I've really worked hard to stay focused on that and make corrective measures if I have not executed as well as I think I could have. Beautiful. I love it. I think this is such a powerful conversation. I am stoked for you and your future and seeing the new book. I can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah, I will keep you posted. Please do. I'm stoked about it. Megan, thank you so much for your time. It's truly been a pleasure chatting with you and getting to know you. What'd you think? I love this episode. I think Megan is such a rock star. It was really fun to get to know her and just to chat and learn about improv. This is something that has always scared me, but I feel very drawn to it for some reason. So who knows? Maybe in the future, you'll see me at some improv classes. (laughs) I think it could do me some good. I'm not going to lie. All right. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you take a screenshot. Let me know that you're listening in. And more importantly, tag me on Instagram so I can send it to Megan and she can see who's listening in and who's appreciating the content. It always means the world to us. And as a content creator, it's literally like the best when you see reviews and shares, like hands down the coolest thing ever. All right, that's it for today. I hope you're having a great day and I will see you Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.